the worth of souls, every one, is great in the sight of God. At times like that, just look up and leave. It's up to us to go down the road that leads us back home. It's up to us to see we already are what we want to be. Don't give in to what others say. You made it back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Worth of Souls podcast. I'm Andrea. And I'm Brent. And it's awesome that you've decided to invest time in yourself and stay on this spiritually focused path. God is thrilled about it. We can absolutely confirm that for you. He loves you. <laughs> and like President Oak said, the worth of your soul is so great in his eyes. All right. So we're coming into the second introductory foundational lesson today which is Alma's process of change to see, think, feel, and do as the Savior. But first, before we dive into that, let's go back and do a return and report from last time, right? Okay, so quick sum up. Last time we went over the three worlds that we live in every day that hopefully you remember are the spiritual world, the temporal world, and our inner world. And we talked about what it means to be temporally focused compared to spiritually focused. We reviewed Nephi's story of being tied to the mast and praising God in all things and praying always. We asked you to practice praising God and praying always for a few days. And we gave you a couple of tools in order to try and root those things further into your heart and mind. The sample prayer and the guided meditation. Were you able to do some kind of prayer like that at the beginning of your day? And did that help you continue praying always throughout your day? And if you were able to do that, what changes did you notice in your thought habits or paradigms throughout your day because of that? Let us know any experiences that you had in particular with this lesson one um, on our on our Facebook or Instagram. We'd really appreciate hearing from you. Yes, please. Big shout out for that because we learn from you <laughs> and hearing from you. Okay, and did you use the guided meditation? Hopefully that gave you permission to have some pondering time and that you came to discover more about the three worlds in your life how they interact with each other within your own temple on a daily basis. Visualizing about the spiritual world is a is it's an amazing muscle to build using that eye of faith. We're going to talk about that a lot more today. Now, after applying what you learned from last lesson, did you notice how much of your mind or and heart energy were spent being temporally focused compared to spiritually focused? Now, remember when I asked you that, we don't ever give you permission to be hard on yourself <laughs> and to beat yourself up. <laughs> but it is important to be honest with yourself. There's a huge distinction between those two concepts. And if you discovered you're not quite where you want to be with your daily spiritual focus, then... Welcome to the party. <laughs> We're working on it too. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the party of humanity. <laughs> Okay, remember that these lessons, they're not about perfection. They're about daily progression. And very, very lucky for us, God has set up the world perfectly that we get to practice all the time. <laughs> oh, exactly. I'm so grateful for each and every day because of that. So we got some feedback from some good friends about the power of praise in their life. And one of our good friends, Jonathan, shared this. 
Two nights ago, I was up with the twins at 2 a.m., and we were all exhausted. My nerves were shot because I hadn't slept forever. Yeah, and anybody with a baby can see this in your mind, Especially right? twins. <laughs> he goes on, but, but in that moment, I reminded myself that I had waited years to have babies to comfort. Then I said to the Lord, I am so grateful for these babies of mine. I praise you. They are with me. I praise you. I have babies that are crying in this moment. Going into praise lifted my energy and it helped my babies because they could feel me calming down. I felt it genuinely. The power of praise is freeing, liberating energy that is able to save us in those really difficult everyday moments. When you find gratitude in the moment, it is power. Yeah, I, I loved that um, experience that he shared because of just how how real it is. We can all identify with that. Another friend, Gainel, she um, told us this. When I get out of the habit of praising, it changes everything. And when I get back in the habit of praising God in all things, it changes everything from finding a parking spot to mental health struggles and parenting disappointments. Praise gives me power to persevere. I, that, that's a phrase that I say in my mind since she wrote that a lot, that I have power to persevere because of praise. And all of these concepts we talk about in the lessons, they keep building on each other. So please give yourself the gift of application. We'll be a little bit of a broken record about that. <laughs> this is a podcast about applying the gospel of Jesus Christ in your daily lives. So you're going to hear this a lot. A lot. Apply, apply, apply. Apply, apply, apply. Exactly. <laughs> so this second introductory lesson is all about the process it takes to become one with Christ. And we mentioned this a little bit in the first lesson about not overlooking the significance of that idea of becoming one with, with your Savior. And we challenged you to hear that for the first time and think about what that process might, have, might look like and what you might have to go through to become like he is, to truly see, think, feel, and do as Christ would do. Listen to what Elder Bruce R. McConkie said about this principle of becoming like Christ. To be valiant in the testimony of Jesus is to take the Lord's side on every issue. It is to vote as he would vote. It is to think what he thinks, to believe what he believes, to say what he would say, and do what he would do in the same situation. It is to have the mind of Christ and be one with him, as he is one with his Father. So according to Elder McConkie, to become like Christ, we must learn to see, think, feel, and do as the Savior. Is this, a, is this possible? Can we change our thoughts and behaviors to match Christ? Andrea and I testify that it is real. Yeah. It is possible. It is. It is. It is, it is very real. And we're actually in, in this lesson, we're going to give you the scientific formula that God has provided so that you know when you're changing your thought habits to become like the saviors. The formula God provided for us is in Alma chapter 32, when he gives us the parable of planting the seed. And I'll hand it off to Andrea. She's going to read verse 27 for us to get us started. But behold, if ye will awake and arouse your faculties... This being our mind and heart we talked about last time. Even to an experiment upon my words and exercise a particle of faith. Yea, if ye can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you, 
even until ye believe in a manner that ye can give place for a portion of my words. Now, this verse 27 encompasses really the entire concept of Alma's process of change. And we're going to come back and really dive into verse 27 in detail in a little bit. But right now, we want to go through the entire parable itself. And as we do that, we're going to talk about a real-life example as it relates to the planting of the seed. Now, if you want to follow along, open your scriptures, go to Alma 32, follow along. If you want to re reacquaint yourself with it, we invite you to do that. The example that we're going to use as we go through this is a 17-year-old man, a young man, maybe picture somebody in your mind that could fill that role, that's wrestling with the commandment that our prophet has given him to serve a mission. So let's pick up the parable in verse 28. We read, now we will compare the word unto a seed. Okay, so the seed in this example is a question. It's the question this young man says of, should I serve a mission? Now, if you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart. Right. Another pause. Now, to give place in this example, it means that the prospective missionary decides to be intentional about that question and to seek an answer. Behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed. Now, we know it's a good seed because it came from the prophet, right? If you do not cast it out by your unbelief, that you will resist the spirit of the Lord. Okay. So for this young man, let's talk about casting out, casting it out. It could be fear that he casts it out because of not feeling ready to serve. He's nervous. Maybe he's the only active member of his family and they're not supportive of him going. Or he's got a girlfriend and she doesn't know how she feels about waiting for him or really any other reason he can think of to justify not following the prophet. Behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts, and when ye feel these swelling motions, you will begin to say within yourselves, It must needs be that this is a good seed, or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. Okay, so this verse in this parable, I, I really think it's maybe my top favorite, maybe second top favorite, because there's another one. But I love it for so many reasons. And we'll get to that. So in this example, um, let's say that the next day is Sunday uh, after he places the seed in his heart. And really by no accident, the primary gets up in sacrament meeting. They're all super cute. And guess what they sing? I hope they call me on a mission. Because the <laughs> angels set it up that way. <laughs> and then later in the hallway, he's walking down and his bishop he, he looks at him and he just casually asks, hey, hey, you know what? We need to sit down. We need to talk about filling out your mission papers. Because the angels set it up that way. <laughs> well, and then as he's leaving the church, he sees two missionaries. They're walking towards the building. They wave and smile at him, you know. Because and... the angels set it up that way. <laughs> and then in the following few days, he starts to have aha moments come to his mind. He's feeling good. He's getting excited. Now, all of these experiences, those tender mercy moments at church that really wake up his heart about the question, those equal swelling 
of his heart and his mind, enlarging his soul, enlightening his mind, and becoming delicious to him. The cool thing about this is that I think all of us can probably identify with the fact that there's been moments in our lives when God gives us those tender mercy experiences in order to help answer the questions that we have, right? Now, Alma goes on to say this, And now, behold, are ye sure that this is a good seed? I say unto you, Yea, for every seed bringeth forth unto its own likeness. And now, behold, because ye have tried the experiment, and planted the seed, and it swelleth and sprouteth, and beginneth to grow, ye must needs know that the seed is good. All right, so this young man received several evidences. Um, As it says, he tried the experiment, he planted the seed, it swelled and it sprouted, it began to grow. He now knows at this point that the question he asked about whether or not to serve a mission, it is right and it is good. In verse 35, Alma says, Now behold, after ye have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, neither must ye lay aside your faith, for ye have only exercised your faith to plant the seed, that ye might try the experiment to know if the seed was good. Now here Alma tells us, he gives us a bit of a warning. He tells us that for this young man, he is only at the beginning of the process of receiving answers. And then Alma goes on to tell us what to expect next. And behold, as the tree beginneth to grow, you will say, Let us nourish it with great care, that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. Now, as all of us know, who have ever planted anything, that as soon as something sprouts, we have to give it a great deal of attention for it to take root and to actually be a strong plant. You have to really care for it like a little baby, you know. (laughs) And that's exactly what this young man has got to do to protect the confirmations that he's already received. Like the continued nourishment of this seed is the idea of going on a mission. It, It might look like meeting with his bishop, setting up that appointment, filling out his papers, setting up the appointment to get his dental work done, going and checking out luggage and all the different things that prospective missionaries get to do to prepare. On the outside, that's what he does. On the inside, he also starts to feel like his soul is bubbling up a bit, right? He wants to live like a missionary as much as possible. He will probably feel promptings to wake up earlier, to personally study his scriptures and dive in like missionaries are asked to do. And he's, he might feel the inspiration to talk to his co-worker, maybe, about the Book of Mormon. And that he could possibly feel his heart softening towards his siblings, his parents, the people in his life, and treat everyone with more love and respect. All of these actions and feelings inside of him are part of what it looks like for him to take the specific action in nourishing that tree so that it can take root in his heart. Alma then gives us a warning because at this point, Satan will always show up in our lives. He says, but if ye neglect the tree and take no thought for its nourishment, behold, it will not get any root. And when the heat of the sun cometh and scorcheth it, because it hath hath no root, it withers away and ye pluck it up and cast it out. Now this is not because the seed was not good, neither is it because the fruit thereof would not be desirable. But it is because your ground 
is barren, and ye will not nourish the tree, therefore ye cannot have the fruit thereof. All right. So in our example, what does not nourishing and the heat of the day mean? For this example, it might look like this, that the young man does get that impression to wake up early, but then the next morning, oh man, that 5 a.m. alarm kills you, right? He ignores it. He turns it off. My alarm always ruins everything. (laughs) And he just keeps sleeping. Maybe it's that same day when he's going to go meet with his bishop and and he delays the meeting because he's nervous. He doesn't want to delay his education. All of these thoughts are starting to swirl through his mind about all the all the things, right? This is the heat of the day coming out for him to scorch it, right? It also might look like doubting the yes. experiences that he's already had. Yes. Of maybe, oh, it was just a coincidence that the primary sing that song and I was just being silly and the missionaries weren't actually even waving to me. They were waving to somebody else. Yeah. You start to justify the doubting feelings when when Satan's fiery darts get through. That's and right. And you, you completely discount those incredible experiences that the Lord gave you when the angels set it up that way. Right. right. Yeah. No, that's exactly it, right? Um. Maybe maybe he shares, you know, the Book of Mormon with his coworker at work and the coworker just laughs in his face. That's always a hard one. And maybe his girlfriend breaks up with him and because she finds out he might be leaving and then all of a sudden all these things in his life are shattering. And like Brent said that he's doubting and these situations show that the heat of the day is scorching his little seedling of faith. And as Alma said, it withers away and he will pluck it up and cast it out. So at this point, this young man is at a big decision turning point of whether or not he will cast it out or whether or not he will hold on to those confirmations that he received and keep moving forward and not allow his tree to wither up and die. Now, Alma does tell us that this withering, the heat, the scorch of scorching of the day and all of those things, it has not happened to this young man because the seed wasn't good or because the fruit wouldn't be desirable, but it happened because he chose not to nourish it, right? Then Alma goes on to give us a most important key to the success of having a rooted and mature tree. He concludes his parable talking about what he calls the eye of faith. The eye of faith. Oh, it's... Beautiful. And, and what happens to us when we choose to use the eye of faith? He says this, If ye will nourish the word, ye nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow, and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root, and behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. All right. So here we are, eye of faith time. This is the other one that's the possible favorite of mine. <laughs> What does it look like for this young man to use the eye of faith? It can look like this, that even after his girlfriend breaks up with him, that he falls to his knees, he talks to the Lord, he brings his intentions to God, and in that prayer, he remembers, the Lord opens up the heavens to remember those tender mercy moments, to help him feel the Spirit of what caused that seed to grow in the first place. And then after that prayer, that 
even after he sleeps through his alarm, he follows through with other preparations. And and the next morning, instead of sleeping through it again, he chooses what John, by the way, so aptly calls it, mind over mattress. I love that phrase. And he gets up early and he studies. He follows through. And that even after his coworker rejects the conversations about the Book of Mormon, and even as this young man is wrestling with those possible doubts, that he still chooses the higher road. He chooses to smile, to be friends with that coworker, and that he starts to see himself as a missionary, using that eye of faith, envisioning himself in a white shirt and tie that he can see himself getting on the airplane, meeting his mission president, sharing the gospel, that he envisions his savior, giving him a hug, being so grateful that he's willing to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that he receives his temple endowments. Now, if you're looking for it, you are going to hear modern-day prophets testify of the power of using the eye of faith in their messages. Another word that can possibly be used is visualization, right? And looking forward to the fruits that will come. Elder Anderson, in a, in a recent talk, he beautifully described a visualization that he uses when he thinks about the Savior. He said this, Nothing lifts my desire to speak of Christ more than visualizing his return. While we do not know when he will come, the events of his return will be breathtaking. He will come in the clouds of heaven, in majesty and glory, with all his holy angels. Not just a few angels, but all his holy angels. These are the angels of the centuries. The angels sent to shut the mouths of lions, to open prison doors, to announce his long-awaited birth to comfort him in Gethsemane, to assure his disciples at his ascension, and to open the glorious restoration of the gospel. I'm so grateful to Elder Anderson for sharing something so personal with us as to how he uses the eye of faith to visualize the Savior's return. Our example of, of, of a prospective missionary was just a quick one on how to apply Alma's process for change. Other examples might include if you, like, you've got a career change that you might need to make or you need to decide where to go to school. Yeah, maybe you're struggling with, with a child with their schoolwork and you're deciding about should they go back to public school? Should, should I find a different situation? Should I homeschool? Like questions like that, right? It also applies to principles of the gospel that we might need to get more rooted in our lives. Like for instance, how would the Lord have me live the word of wisdom in, in my life? Or what does it look like for my family to keep the Sabbath day holy? You can experiment with any question or situation that you have and apply Alma's process for change to see if the seed is good and see if it will get rooted in your heart and if the fruit will come. A good friend of mine, Sarah is her name. She's a brilliant scientist and she's also very spiritually grounded. She always likes to tell me how much she loves Alma's process of change because as she puts it, it's the pure scientific method before the world took it over. <laughs> and as a scientist, I love hearing that from her. Like, I'm not a scientist. She's a scientist. 
Um, and and she's exactly right. Like we don't need a double blind study in order to discover truth. We just need to use the formula that God has provided for us. Okay, so after going through the whole parable, we said we were going to go back and look at verse 27 in depth. That's what we're doing now. So the first thing that Alma tells us to do in verse 27 is awake and arouse our faculties. Now, our faculties, like we talked about, that we get to awake and arouse are our mind and our heart, as it tells us in Doctrine and Covenants 64. And I like to call awake and arouse my faculties my making time for holiness. It's the time that I give myself to make sure that my my insides are taken care of, not with chocolate per se. <laughs> Your spiritual insights. My spiritual insights, exactly. Well, I, and I call mine sviluppo personale, which in Italian means personal development. Because ever since my mission, when I truly developed the gift of awakening and arousing my faculties every day, that's the idea I always go back to when I need to be reminded of how important that is in my life. Well, and and for me, this the it looks a little different for Brent and I. And it for for me, it is first thing in the morning that I have got to get spiritually focused. If I don't do it first thing in the morning, man, I feel like those fiery darts just get me. No one can attest to that more than my husband. <laughs> the fiery darts are our four children, by the way. And sometimes me. <laughs> now, I get spiritually focused first thing in the morning with prayer, meditation time, exercise, study. I'm the morning person of the family, and mornings are when my brain and my heart are awake to make that time for holiness. I am not a morning person. So other than during my mission, I have always done my best scripture study and meditation in the evening after everybody's in bed and the house is totally silent. It seems for some horrid reason, my brain wants to turn on at 10 p.m. every single night. So after years of fighting, trying to, to make mornings work, I found a great groove in my sviluppo personale at night. Now, the point is, right, is that as long as we're making time for holiness, taking care of our spiritual insights, then becoming spiritually focused is top of mind for us. Give yourself the gift of making time for holiness consistently if you haven't already been doing so. And awake and arouse your mind and heart to what God has for you inside of that. Dive into your relationship with him through prayer and meditation and study, pondering, all of those things. So this is the beginning of the process to see as Christ sees. When we focus first thing in the morning on in the spiritual dimension. Okay, so Brent, now I have to interrupt you because obviously for you, you just said that it happens at night, right? So what does that mean for you first thing in the morning? It, it does mean that I do my study and meditation at night, but the very first thing I do every single morning is I have a conversation with Heavenly Father. It's, it's before anything else. It's before I brush my teeth. It's before I reach for my phone. It, it is the first thing I do because that's what I need to be spiritually focused for the day. And when we do this, we have the capacity to see as God sees. We can see the people in our lives as God sees them. My spouse, my children, my coworkers, and even that really annoying person that I'm arguing with on social media. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah, that never <laughs> happens. I can see them as Christ sees them, and I can see the curriculum of my day 
from the spiritual dimension? So what we're challenging you to do is instead of rolling over in the morning and grabbing your phone to check the messages that you missed overnight, I know that's something all of us are guilty of doing from time to time. I'm raising my hand together with you. Instead, get down on your knees and talk to your Heavenly Father to start your day, to ask Him to help you to see as Christ sees. When we give ourselves that gift of time with Him, we put on our armor and we're ready for those fiery darts. When our children runs into our room with sticky hands from getting into the cereal without permission, right? <laughs> like we're ready to handle those sticky hands from a spiritual place. And we know that the concept of making time for holiness is not a new one. We know that. But we also know that for all of us, we we have a lot in our head that we sometimes don't actually apply. And even though we're preaching to the choir with this, we want you to get curious about this time that you take with God. President Hinckley really, really drove this point home when he said this. One of the great tragedies we witness almost daily is the tragedy of men of high aim and low achievement. Their motives are noble. Their proclaimed ambition is praiseworthy. Their capacity is great, but their discipline is weak. They succumb to indolence. Appetite robs them of will. Now, you probably thought President Hinckley was going to talk right there. Didn't Brent do such a good job? <laughs> it was from an article, yeah. not from a conference talk, unfortunately. <laughs> so anyway, get curious about the time that you take for holiness. Or si lupo personale. Right. And, and name it. Like name it if you need to. Awake and arouse your soul. It's so important on this journey of becoming spiritually focused to see your true worth in God's eyes. So next in verse 27, Alma says, exercise a particle of faith. We do this by thinking as Christ would think. So after getting spiritually focused, we then get to practice exercising the particle of faith by using the faculty of our mind. This is where it is our choice to engage. Joseph Smith said that he said this in the lectures on faith. He said that, quote, when a man works by faith, he works by mental exertion instead of by physical force. It is by words instead of exerting his physical powers with which every being works when he works by faith. Oh, my gosh. Could End we quote. not take like an hour and dive into oh, just seriously. that concept? Every, oh, every single sentence in lectures on faith is like that. It's phenomenal. So what you are placing in the faculty of your mind what you tell yourself is what develops faith. This is a point that we can't possibly overemphasize enough. Every single word that we place in our mind is a co-creation with the Lord. Listen to what President Nelson recently told us in his talk, Christ is Risen, Faith in Him Will Move Mountains. He said this, To do anything well requires effort. Becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ is no exception. Increasing your faith and trust in Him takes effort. Faith takes work. Receiving revelation takes work. But everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. God knows what will help your faith grow. Ask, and then ask again. In that same talk, he goes on to say, 
The Lord does not require perfect faith for us to have access to his perfect power, but he does ask us to believe. My dear brothers and sisters, my call to you is to start today to increase your faith. Through your faith, Jesus Christ will increase your ability to move the mountains in your life, even though your personal challenges may loom as large as Mount Everest. Oh my gosh, President Nelson and his talking about developing faith, it's beautiful. It's its just like, it reminds me of James Allen in his book, As a Man Thinketh. There's a great quote in there that says this, quote, a noble and godlike character is not a thing of favor or chance, but it is the natural result of continued effort in right thinking, the effect of long-cherished association with godlike thoughts. Oh my gosh, that's just, it's a yummy quote. That's like the yummiest quote. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> continued from verse 27 in Alma 32, it says this, a desire to believe and let that desire work in you. Now, we do this by feeling as Christ would feel. So let's talk about feelings. <laughs> Who is in charge of our feelings? The world, especially right now, oh my word, would have us believe that we are victims of what we feel, that we have no control. We've recently, as everyone knows, gone through a pandemic that affected the entire world. But I personally believe that there's an unspoken pandemic of victimhood that's also absolutely plaguing our generation, that everything is someone else's fault and never my own. And here's the thing, you guys, the scriptures tell us a very, very different story, that we are agents unto ourselves. We give our freedom away. When we, when we allow other people to be in charge of our temple. President Nelson told us in a recent talk this. Saints can be happy under every circumstance. We can feel joy even while having a bad day, a bad week, or even a bad year. My dear brothers and sisters, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. Now, we know we quoted that in lesson one, but it was important enough to bring it back up in this section. How do we take control of our feelings then? How do we do it? It's through the prayer and the praise program. And that is what helps us to feel as Christ feels. So if you hold any thought in your mind that doesn't match the Savior's, then the Holy Ghost will tell you that it is incorrect by withdrawing from you. Okay, let's break it down in an example. For instance, if I counsel myself with negative self-talk, like, Ugh, Andrea, I can't believe you did that again. It was so stupid. How dumb of you, right? Or a statement like, I am such a bad mother. <laughs> that negative self-talk produces darkness feelings within my temple. And as a result, the Holy Ghost must withdraw because I am holding untruths within my temple. Now, that's true for anyone. When you condemn yourself, find fault, criticize, compare with yourself or other people, they're all choices that we make. And those thoughts produce feelings, and they do not match the Savior's feelings. Once we choose to replace that negative self-talk 
with the prayer and the praise program instead, then the Holy Ghost can confirm the truthfulness of the thoughts and produce feelings that match the Savior's feelings. For example, let's when I when I do something I'm frustrated with myself, right? Instead of negative self-talk, I can say this. Okay, Lord. <laughs> I know I made a mistake. But I also know that thou art pleased with me, with the way I'm raising my family. I made a mistake with my kids, but I've received so many confirmations from the Spirit about all of the good things that I do every day. And I received so many confirmations from priesthood blessings that you've given me. I praise thee, Father, for the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ that I can repent and get back into the light. I praise thee that Jesus Christ loved me enough to die for me. Help me to get back into the light, to be kind to myself, especially about my motherhood. Now those, that's prayer and praise, and it's truth. When we hold truths like that in our mind, such as this simple prayer, the Holy Ghost returns, and we will once again align our feelings with the way that Christ feels. The more we hold truths in our mind, the more feelings we will produce that will match the Savior's, and the Holy Ghost helps us with that journey. We will go over this whole concept, by the way, a lot in Lesson 5, so we'll leave it there. So the last (laughs) thing in verse 27 is to give place for a portion of my words by doing as Christ would do. Now, giving a place for a portion of my words equals giving it priority in your life. If you want to take a thought habit of Jesus and make it a priority, that means you are going to hold it in your mind and heart throughout the day so that you can get the Holy Ghost to confirm what you are feeling is true. Whenever somebody in my life complains about not having enough time to do something, I always use the phrase, ultimately, we make time for what is most important to us. So if we are trying to become like Christ, we will make time in our lives to do the things that he would do. But you can also do all the daily tasks in your life the way that he would do them. I love the series, The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Because it depicts the Savior doing everyday things, making a meal, building a fire, making things out of wood. Oh my gosh, I loved it when they showed that he got a cut. Yeah, and, and he, he had, had to bandage to, it he up. He had to bandage oh, it up. It was I beautiful. Mean, just, just so real. So I ask you, was he doing those things just because he needed to do them? Or was he doing them to glorify his father? Everything you do in your day can be done for the Savior. You can do it the way that he would do it. And that's how you give place for a portion of his word. When you give place, you reorient your day and you do all of these those things for him. And when we make becoming like our Savior a priority, we automatically are capable of, of expanding what Viktor Frankl talked about as the space between stimulus and response. Now, you may have heard that yep. also from Stephen Covey. <laughs> Stephen Covey. <laughs> <laughs> but Viktor Frankl said it first. That means we have more capacity to pause and react to any given situation the way that Christ would. Listen to how President Nelson describes this principle. He said, 
When your greatest desire is to let God prevail, to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. So many issues become non-issues. You know how best to groom yourself. You know what to watch and read or to spend your time and with whom to associate. You know what you want to accomplish and you know the kind of person you really want to become. It takes persistent, rigorous spiritual work to repent and to put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to develop personal habits, to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. After President Nelson gave the Let God Prevail talk, my mom gave me a Let God Prevail bracelet. And whenever I look at it, it is a trigger for me to give place for the Lord in just everyday things in my life. I I kind of branded it as that in my mind. <laughs> All right. After verse 27 finishes, Alma tells us that when we start doing anything, we're first just moving by faith, right? We don't have a perfect knowledge. But we are told our our knowledge can be perfect because of three things the Holy Ghost does that we experience in order to have a perfect knowledge. We've got to dive into this again. So, for example, let's say I've been struggling with depression and I want to plant the seed in my heart and get a confirmation from the Spirit about the worth of my soul in God's eyes. Anyone struggling with depression or anxiety I highly encourage you to do this. What would I do in order to get a confirmation from the Spirit that this is truth? I would pray and say, Father, I am so grateful to know that I was born and reared in thy courts of glory on high, that thou loves me with perfect love, that thou values me beyond any measure. Help me, please, to see myself as thou sees me. At the end of that prayer, I hold it in my mind and heart throughout the day. Let's just say I pray about it 10 to 15 times throughout the day. Now, how do we know that the Holy Ghost is confirming these thoughts as truth? First, enlarging my soul, the swelling motions. I start to feel these great feelings within my temple as I'm saying those words, like we talked about with producing feelings like the Savior's, right? My understanding is going to be enlightened. I'm going to have light bulb moments. I will have further revelation. I'm going to feel more my value as a daughter of God. The, and it, I'm going to see the heavens open for personal revelation with this. And I also might notice as well, as I'm seeking for this particular confirmation about my worth, that I start to see other people, how God sees them too. Why? Because the more I see my value, the more I see it in other people. That is called enlightening your soul. And it's going to feel so good to pray this way, you guys. It, it's delicious. You love it. It feels, it's great. Now, in verse 32 to 34 in Alma 32, it asks us, is, it, is this real? Do I doubt these things? And no, I don't doubt because it's light. It is real. Whatever is light is discernible. It is good. You must know that it is good. Now, this is level one. Level two 
is getting rooted level. Once you know the seed is good, is it all done? No, you must get it rooted to become a part of you. So going back to our example of getting a confirmation from the Spirit about our worth in the eyes of God, after you get a confirmation from the Lord, when someone around you finds fault with you, for example, your boss comes in and screams at you about what a horrible presentation you just gave and how much you embarrassed him, or maybe your son's principal calls you and chews you out for what a terrible parent you are because your son got caught cheating on a test. You can feel the rejection emotions from those people, but you can handle it beautifully. Why? Because your source for self-worth comes from above. It comes from Heavenly Father. When I am in the middle of a rejection situation, when others are finding fault with me, like the principal and my boss, this is when the heat of the day is trying to scorch the truth. Those fiery darts, right? Exactly. It's trying to convince me that what God has revealed to me is not real. And if I choose to turn my mind and my heart focus to the confirmations within those rejections that I have, I have already received from the Spirit that I am a beloved son of God, then my shield is up and those fiery darts don't get through. And that truth will become more rooted in me, even in the midst of getting yelled at at work. That's the process to get something rooted in us. That's the second step. Yeah. So important. So what happens if we don't get these principles rooted? What happens if you get the confirmation, but it doesn't get rooted because you choose to accept the rejection when the fiery darts or come? the doubts. That or the come doubts in. that come. Mm-hmm. Yep. What happens? Just because you know a principle of the gospel is true does not mean that you have enough to withstand the heat of the day. So can you see more what how important it is to get these things rooted? Level one is knowing something is true, but level two is getting it rooted within you and so that it becomes a part of you. Now, the world is set up to test our faith. What it takes to enjoy the day, no matter what is going on around us, is based on applying the thought habits of Jesus Christ through praise, prayer, and this process of change that Alma gave us. It might only take a couple of days to know that a principle of the gospel is true, but it'll take 10, 20, 30 days for us to get it rooted because we have to return to the confirmations that we received over and over again in the midst of the adversities or the challenges. We have to return to those confirmations. And when we do... Especially because Satan wants you to doubt any and every confirmation you get from the Holy Ghost. Exactly. But when we do... That becomes rooted. And Alma says, our faith at that moment becomes dormant and our knowledge has become perfect in that thing. Well, and we want to enjoy. Let's talk about joy. <laughs> I like joy. I mean, I laugh a lot, right? <laughs> we, we get to enjoy the now while we're also focusing on the future. And when we learn to focus spiritually, it not only helps us enjoy the day, but with the same effort that we're already putting into life, our hope and our joy can increase by a hundredfold for Pete's sake. We get to we, we know that we're qualifying for exaltation, which exaltation conversation is next lesson, by the way. So come back. We invite you to come back. These are all everything we've talked about today are foundational ideas and steps that you've got to have and, and understand 
in order to know how to work with the thought habits of Jesus Christ. That's why we've put them in these introductory lessons, like last lesson talking about our the three worlds and and praying and and praising God and praying always and this time talking about Alma's process of change to see think feel and do as Christ would do we will use them in every lesson from here on out so as we wrap up today we remind you of the tools that we have provided to help you apply what we are talking about in these lessons and that's going to continue with each subsequent lesson you can find all of these tools on our website, and they're also linked to the podcast. We invite you to do as the primary song teaches us. Search, <laughs> song. ponder, search, and pray. Search, ponder, and pray. <laughs> you search the scriptures and conference talks provided in the lesson. And honestly, we have literally zero excuse to not do this. We are carrying around every conference talk and every book of scripture in our pocket everywhere we go. Maybe let's take a break from playing games and social media and fill our minds with the Word of God instead. (laughs) Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) The second step in search, ponder, pray, obviously, is ponder. Give yourself this amazing gift of quiet time or alone time. I don't know about your house, but we force our children to have some quiet time every day. So why don't we give that gift to ourselves? And you can also ponder by utilizing the guided meditation we provide with each lesson. President David O. McKay was a huge fan of meditation. He talked about it often, and he spoke of it specifically in a talk called called Consciousness of God, Supreme Goal of Life. This talk is... It's beautiful. Unfortunately, there's not audio, so let let me quote it for you. He said this, I think we pay too little attention to the value of meditation, a principle of devotion. In our worship, there are two elements. One is spiritual communion arising from our own meditation. The other, instruction from others, particularly from those who have authority to guide and instruct us. Of the two, the more profitable introspection is meditation. Meditation is the language of the soul. Meditation is a form of prayer. Meditation is one of the most secret, most sacred doors through which we pass into the presence of the Lord. Please, please set a time aside in your day for pondering or meditation. And the last of the primary song is pray. We've obviously talked about that just a little bit, right? Just a little. (laughs) So pray always to receive a confirmation and allow space for these principles to get rooted in you. We will provide a sample prayer with each lesson, and we don't do this to provide any kind of rote prayer. It's just a sample of prayer language that you can use in your own personal prayers throughout your day. Now, all right, we're finishing up our challenge. We always have to have a challenge at the end is before you listen to the next lesson, plant a seed in your heart. And the seed we're inviting you to plant is from the Doctrine and Covenants, the scripture, that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. And after you plant that seed in your heart about the worth of your soul and ask Heavenly Father to reveal to you your relationship with him, with Christ, with Heavenly Mother, with the angels, with with everybody that's our best friends on the other side, right? 
apply Alma's process of change that we went through today to see if you can get confirmations about how God feels about you and then to get it rooted inside of you. For example, after planting the seed, I know I say prayers all the time, but it helps me when I hear this from other people. So I figured it might help you too. After planting that seed, you might pray like this. Father, I am so grateful to know that thou loves me with perfect love, that I was born and reared in thy courts of glory on high. I praise thee for my Savior, that he suffered for me. I praise thee for thy plan. I praise thee that thou and, and my heavenly mother and my Savior are my best friends. I praise thee for the knowledge that the worth of my soul is great in thy sight. Help me to see myself as thou sees me today. And then after that, see if the Spirit will confirm to you these truths throughout your day by paying attention. Pay attention to the swelling motions, the enlightening of your mind, and the enlarging of your soul as you pray about those truths. Okay, it may seem a little daunting to think about praying 10 to 15 times about this very specific thing. So I want to give you a couple ideas about how you might accomplish it. One trick that I use all the time, because we are human, we get distracted, right? I get distracted, <laughs> is setting a timer. I set a timer on my phone to go off every hour when I'm praying about a specific seed that I've planted. And when my timer goes off, that is my reminder to say that prayer. Another trick is that if you wear a Fitbit or a phone watch, put it on the other hand. And every time you go to look at your watch on the wrong wrist, pause for a minute and pray. And when the Spirit confirms these truths to you in this prayer process, as Alma says, you can, after you have these experiences with the Holy Ghost, have a sure knowledge that the worth of your soul is great in God's eyes. And that when that heat of the day comes, because it's going to, when anyone finds fault with you, criticizes, when you are tempted to do negative self-talk, to do a self-condemnation or anything like that, then you can rely on the confirmations you received and you will be able to get rooted in your heart and your mind that you are a beloved son or daughter of God. I am here to reiterate that you are a beloved son or daughter of God. And the tools we mentioned within this lesson, the scriptures and conference talks and sample prayer and guided meditation, they're all available on our website, worthofsoulspodcast.com. Go check them out. Use them as much as you'd like. We love that you're taking part in these lessons. We, we picture you in our minds listening. <laughs> we do. <laughs> On your run or driving in your car, yeah. doing your dishes. Thank you for, for letting us be a part of your lives. Please take a few days to apply what we've talked about today before listening to the next lesson, which is thought habit number one. Thought habit number one. Do, 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 do. And until then, remember that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. Worth of Souls podcast is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have any questions about the doctrines discussed here, please visit the church's official website for clarification.